Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen here with Life Coach Cindy Chavez. Today is Wednesday, May the 27th, 2020. It's 4 p.m. New York time and wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining us for another episode of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy. And Cindy, I've got a couple things I'm excited about today, which is a good way to start the show. I told you about one before the show that uh, um, SpaceX is about to launch, like within during while we're recording the show, they're about to launch humans into the space. This is going to be the first time a commercial venture has launched humans into space. And I mean, that's just, I, I remember Apollo. Now, th- this isn't as exciting as Apollo, but it's pretty close. I, this I remember cool. Apollo. Yeah. I was, I was very little, but I remember it. And wow. They're 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 headed to the International Space Station. Yes. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's uh it's very cool. It is very, very cool. cool. Like wow. I mean, I'm glad that they have replays. Otherwise, I'd be really disappointed. Like I told <laughs> you before the show, we would have had to reschedule. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. It's, it's not often I'm disappointed by doing the show, but this time it's like, ooh, which one do I do? <laughs> Seriously, so was, it, 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 how long will will the um broadcasting of it be like i would imagine that they'll probably continue the broadcast from liftoff until they dock i would think and you have any idea how long that takes because i have no idea it'll take a it'll take a while so i mean after we're done with the show we can watch that part (laughs) yeah you may catch some of it right yeah yeah. we might we might we've been talking around uh, talking about it around here this morning too so it'll be uh it'll be fun to see regardless it's great to have something like this happening during this time period because it gives us one more thing to get excited about. And that excitement is so critical. I, I saw something that kind of knocked me between the eyes. I, I can't say I was surprised when I saw it, but there was a news article that reported that according to something tied to the Census Bureau, I'm not sure exactly what, one third of all Americans are currently suffering uh, discernible um, symptoms related to clinical depression going through this period right now. And, and it, are you connecting that or did they connect that? to? They the didn't connect it. Speci- well, the article tried to connect it, but it, it kind of inferred it. But I'm connecting it because according to the same article, normally those numbers are about half that amount. Well, you know, I wish I would. I, I thought about this last week and then we went and we were we had a full discussion on something else. But I'm taking a class right now. It's a certification in. Um, psychological first aid. Oh, okay. And so what that is, is the, the psychological first aid that is used for trauma during catastrophes. Mm-hmm. Um, most of it was developed, uh, I believe, right after 9-11. And okay. w- what they realize is that um, it's better. It, it has a better uh, success rate than like therapy that happens after the thing is over. So mm-hmm. if you're in some kind of catastrophe, whether it's a terrorist attack or an earthquake or a hurricane or whatever, uh, or actually I take that back. They, they, they developed it after Katrina. Oh, okay. And what they realize is that this kind of intervention during the thing is more useful than waiting until the thing was completely over and then going to therapy. Which sounds just like LOA, by the way, because LOA teaching says you want to get into it early rather than do it later. It's easier to stop the momentum early. Right. So it's like maintenance is cheaper than repair, right? Exactly. Yeah. So so um, it's not to say that therapy after something isn't valuable. Sure. I'm not saying that at all. They, they're both they both valuable, both have their place. But um, in the learning of this, there there was a list of symptoms, and that's what I wish I had right in front of me right now mm. because my mind is going to go completely blank. But <laughs> the symptom there were three three different categories, and the first one was people that were um, what they call eustress, e u s t r e s s. So okay. yes, people are they're going through the same catastrophe, um, but they're doing pretty well, and they have a positive outlook, and they're handling everything. You know, they're they're it's they're not happy about what's going on, but it's right. not affecting them personally, or at least not as much. The third category was people that were um, dysfunctional because of mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, when you think of a natural catastrophe, a lot of times that's people that have lost everything they own or had a relative die. I mean, you know, something very serious. And then in the middle category was stre- people who were in distress. Mm. 
So they weren't at the end of the, the spectrum where they were completely dysfunctional, unable to function. And they also weren't in the category of, well, I hate to see this happen, but I'm fine. They were in the middle. And what surprised me is, and this is why I wish I had the list of symptoms, as I was reading them, I could see them some of them in myself. Oh, really? And I would tell you, if you asked me what category I was in, I would say I was in the first category. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I, I would say, oh, I mean, I, I, I this is happening, but I'm fine. Yeah. But some of the symptoms of distress were very kind of sneaky almost, right? Like things like not sleeping completely well or having brain fog, um, forgetting why you came into the room, you know, say, like, oh, what did I come in here for? I mean, there were things that we would think were pretty... Um, that happen to everybody, but they, they are a consequence of stress. So when you, when you talk about this, the, what did you say? 30% of Americans? One third. Yeah. One third. Okay. Yeah. 33%. Um, it makes sense to me, right? Because sometimes the symptoms of depression or of distress, they're, they're not what we think they would be. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I've been encouraging all of my people to be really go easy on themselves. You know, there's all these people that are like um, doing things right now because they've been in inside. So they're like being very productive. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to write my book. I'm going to start a Zoom choir, which is what <laughs> I, I really want to be part of a Zoom choir. Right. Um, but it's like there's always that. I joke about insomnia that I am not a productive insomniac, you know, like is there I such hear, a thing. Well, yeah, I hear these people. They're like, Oh, I couldn't sleep last night. So I got up and I cleaned the whole house or, you know, Hey, I couldn't <laughs> sleep. So look, I wrote a book, you know, I'm always like, no, I'm the disgruntled clock watching insomnia. Oh my gosh. It's been three hours and I'm still awake. Um, so, so, you know, it's like little symptoms like that, that we, we might be actually, um, suffering, with some of the symptoms and we don't even see it because it's just like part of our life because we live in such a stressful world sometimes. So don't beat yourself up if you haven't, you know, gotten half of a bestseller written since you've been, <laughs> you know, inside. Uh, it's, it's not about how productive you are right now. It's about being kind to yourself. Well, plus <laughs> with categories like these, we always have to kind of take them with a grain of salt because probably from one day to the next, we move from one category to the other. I mean, I know there are some days I have yes. great days and I'm in a great mind space. Right. And other light days, uh, not so much. And, you know, I don't know, like some people really uh, believe in, I'll use that term, like astrology and what we would call astrological weather. Mm -hmm. Some people don't, sure. aren't interested, don't, don't uh, believe in those ideas. Um, but I'll tell you, a week or so ago, there was all this stuff going on with the planets. And I'm really somebody that says, I mean, I, I study astrology and I also say, well, you know, those things, they don't have control over us. They might, mm. they might influence us and then we get to do what we want with that. Right. Mm -hmm. But I had so many people in a two day period telling me they were having the worst day they've ever had. I was <laughs> like, oh, maybe there's more to this than I allow myself to, to look at. Right. But you're right, because some of those same people that I talked to, I talked to the next day and they were like, oh, yesterday was so rough, but I'm feeling so much better. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it's fluid. Things change. <laughs> Thank right. goodness. Right. Thank goodness. Especially when you get something like the SpaceX flight. That's what kind of got this whole little mini conversation started was we've got something exciting that a whole lot of people can get excited about. Not that everybody will, but a lot of people can. And that's great. Yeah. That, and that's it a, involves science. So. Yeah. Right. So, yep. I mean, that gets me happy. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. people are doing science. And of, course, <laughs> of course, they're going to be always detractors and so forth, but that's not really the point. The point is, is it fun? Does it feel good? If it feels good, go with it. If it doesn't, then go look at something else. But we get these things that come along to us and we really need to take advantage of them when, when we like them. We've talked about this so much, but it's, it's such a good reminder. I could be reminded of this every single day. As a matter of fact, I've said this before. I have this, little railing across the bottom of my bookshelf right in front of my eyes where there's post-it notes up there with things that I don't want to forget. And there's a post-it that says permission granted right there. And there's a post-it that says you are powerful. And I think a post-it that says 
what would feel better? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because we talk about this all the time, the simple question of, well, does it feel good or not? I mean, would something feel better? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yet, you know, um, you can't always do something that would feel better as far as action, right? But you can always create a better story and that feels better. Yes. So just as an example, um, if you're in the middle of, you know, uh, some kind of job that you're doing, you can't always stop. (laughs) If you're hating it, you know, sometimes you can get up and take a walk and come back to it, but sometimes you can't, but you can always change that story that you're telling about it because that's what creates all the feelings that we have. So I like to ask the question, like, what would be a better story to tell about this? It's a great question to ask. And I even have, I guess I could call it a manifestation story along that line. Oh, excellent. Because everybody knows who's been listening to this podcast for any length of time that I have a programming project. Actually, I have a couple of programming projects because I've put, you didn't know this, Cindy, but in the last uh, four or five days, I've been putting considerable effort into creating an app for the show for listeners of the show to have to be able to listen to the show and interact with us in a variety of ways and so forth and i'm looking can i get just a basic one out there that just gives people a playlist so they can listen to the stuff just to kind of get started you know and i'm really close to that and i've been telling people i mean even yesterday i said i'm really really close but there, there was one thing that was in the way and it was really in the way it was a major deal it's it's a little bit complex to explain it's very technical but bottom line was it, there was something that was blocking me to <laughs> talk about blocking, right? I was literally being blocked from accessing something I needed to access for that list. It was a key component of that list. And just before we came on the show with some help of some really good people in a variety of different roles here, one person's uh, my guy who hosts my server. Another guy um, is the guy who wrote the software that I use for publishing the podcast third person is somebody who's not related to any of these, but who's sort of a general tech guy. I mean, there's all these people who are giving me input on this stuff. And it was like the coronavirus. I, I feel bad for the scientists who are trying to track it down because it's there one moment and it's gone the next. You know, we keep hearing that report. Well, the right. same thing was true with this. Oh, well, if you fix this, it'll work over here. But it wasn't doing that. Well, if you do this over here, it'll, well, it wasn't doing that either. None <laughs> of the things were working. It was like, wait a minute, what's going? What is this like the ghost uh, error or something like ghost that? Ghost in the machine, right? Ghost yeah. in the machine, yeah. Right. But I kept revising the story in my mind, along the lines of what you were just saying. I've been doing that heavily the last few days, saying, you know what? I don't know how to solve this thing, but I don't have to know how to solve it. All I gotta do is imagine how excited I'm gonna be when it finally gets solved. Yes. And literally three minutes before I connected with you, I found the root of the problem, and it was a root that. I wouldn't have expected it in a million years. Now, I don't have it all ironed out yet, but when you find that route, now you're really close. Now you're going to be able to get the thing fixed. So I'm pretty confident that aspect's going to get fixed probably in 24 hours. Your hope has been restored, right? Yeah. 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 But boy, oh boy, did it illustrate for me personally just how powerful that story revision is. Yeah. It it just makes all the difference in the world. And something that you said that's really powerful that – that uh, is a good tip for anybody that's changing a story is you said, I don't know how. Yeah. Right. And the word, but right. So I don't know how this problem is going to work itself out, but I just know that it is. Yeah. And you know, the story about my owl. Oh yes. (laughs) I love that story. Tell that one again for people who don't know that one. That's a wonderful story. So I run an online group and there's a book by Pam Grout that's called E squared, I think. And Mm -hmm. it's, and then she came out with another book that I didn't know she had come out with a new book and someone popped into my group. This has been a year or so ago, maybe two or three years ago now and said, Hey, Cindy, have you ever read, uh, have you read Pam Grout's new book? Mm -hmm. And I said, what? She has a new book. (laughs) No. So I ordered it. And then I went and grabbed the other book off my shelf. And if you're not familiar with her book, she wrote a book that has all of these activities in it that are like experiments for a law of attraction. It's to prove to yourself or to just experiment with the law of attraction. And so the way the chapters are, are written, they are actually written like a science experiment. She wants you to write um, the date and the time and what you did. And then, you know, she'll give you a time frame 
uh, maybe maybe it's a day, maybe it's an hour, maybe it's two weeks, but you come back and you keep notes about what happened. And so there's no like, you know, hey, if it, if you do whatever it is and it doesn't work, it's just like any other science experiment. You just write down what happened. doesn't matter if it was quote, quote, successful. It's just, it's always successful. You're just experimenting. Mm -hmm. And I love that frame for it because it takes yeah. off all the pressure. Yes. And so I, I decided, okay, let's all do this one. This, my group, let's do this, this one. Cause I had a bookmark in the first Pam Grout book about this particular experiment. And it was very simple. It was note the date and the time. And if you could manifest something in the next 48 hours, what would it be? That was it. And then you would come back in 48 hours and say, did you manifest it? Mm -hmm. So I wrote down, um, I will have an owl, please. <laughs> <laughs> I like owls. And so I was thinking about uh, immediately. I, I have to insert something here, too, because there's a really key element. You live in the middle of a fairly large city. Owls are really rare in this city. So coming up with any kind of an owl is going to be kind of tough for you. Right. And so immediately my brain said, how is it going to, you know, I started just automatically. The thoughts that came into my mind automatically were like, I wonder how it's going to, to manifest. Mm -hmm. And so I imagined that I'd be at the grocery store and I'd see a little kid in the shopping cart with like a stuffed owl, like an owl plushie. Right. Uh, I thought maybe somebody will mail me a card and it'll have a picture of an owl. Yeah, um, sure. there, there's a, there's a beer that I really like Hitachino nest, a Japanese beer. And it has a little owl on the <laughs> label. So I thought, you know, maybe somebody will drop by and have a, a wine bottle with an owl. Yeah, or sure. You know, I had all these thoughts that just sort of rushed in. And then there was the part too, that, I had never really announced to a group before, like, okay, let's do this. This is what I'm asking for. I'm asking for an owl, right? <laughs> but I don't know why. So this is the, this is the key. And I, I can't tell you what it was, but I just, I didn't know how, but I knew it was going to appear. Mm. And I think I said that to a few people I said, I don't know how it might be. I see someone with an owl on their t-shirt, you know, but, but I know. I know it's coming. I don't know how, but I know it's coming. So that was one afternoon. The following afternoon, I logged it as the little experiment, 26 hours. I'm sitting right here at the same place I'm sitting now. And there's a window that I point my chair at and just, you know, my head's usually down. So I'm not looking out the window, but right outside my window is a tree. I live on a very busy street in the city. I heard a sound and I looked up. And there was an owl with probably a four or five foot wingspan flying up my window. Like it literally was touching the window all the way up to the roof. It was fluttering its wings. It took my breath away. I almost started crying. I immediately, <laughs> all of a sudden I said, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that's my owl. That's my owl. And I grabbed the phone and I called my husband. I was almost, I was shaking. Like I, it was, <laughs> it was amazing, right? But here's what I always go back to when I think about that story, two things. The first thing was, oh my gosh, I announced this in front of a group. And what if the 48 hours comes and goes and I never see an owl? Mm. You know, and I had to say, that's how experiments go. That's right. If I don't see one, I'll just say, well, I didn't see one. It sounds silly, but like, I didn't want to be embarrassed by like, you sure. know, saying I was going to attract something and then it didn't show up. Like, you well, know, there's I, nothing silly about that. I, I think it's a normal human response. So, but the other thing was, is that in my gut, like I knew that I would see an owl. Which is great. Which, like I said, I did expect it to be like a picture of an owl on a shirt or a stuffed owl or some other way. Um. And so when it appeared this way, it was, it was a real owl and it was spectacular. It was amazing. And so I recognized though, well, what was the key? The key was that I don't know how, but I know it's going to happen. And so it's a great thing to, uh, to say, to build into your story, to make as an affirmation. If you're working on something like you're working on, getting this app worked out and getting this 
thing that's blocking you, fixing that so that you can connect with what you need to, to do there. And I don't know how, but I'm, but it's going to work out. I don't know how this problem will be solved. I just know it will. And that sort of bypasses something in our brain that's always concerned with the how. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I said, when I said, okay, choose something you want to manifest in 48 hours. And I just blurted out. I said, okay, I'll have an owl. I'll take an owl, please. Um, and when, as soon as I blurted it out, the next thing that happened was that my mind filled with ways it could happen. Right? <laughs> None of them were the way it showed up. And the way it did show up was so much better. Oh, is, exactly. Isn't that always the case? I mean, that, that's an owl that went out of its way to make sure Cindy Chavez saw. <laughs> it, did, the owl. it did. I mean, just like, hold it now. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I think in my experience anyway, um, not worrying about the how. Just and be and if you if you need to say it, it's a powerful thing to say. Oh, I don't know how it's going to happen. I just know it is. I don't know Great how. Story. I love it. It's just a wonderful yeah. story. Yeah. So building that in, when when I heard you say, I don't know how. I don't know how we're gonna get through this, but it's gonna it's gonna happen. And and you were right because that that little thing of I don't know how when when you say it and you mean it, it's almost like it, it does actually remove a piece of resistance. Oh yeah. It removes an expectation of disappointment. Well, and because your brain thinks that if you don't know how, that it can't happen. Exactly. Yeah. Right? And so it's like we're telling our subconscious, oh, no, you're right. I don't know how. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but I do know it's going to work out. Mm. I don't mm-hmm. need to know how. Mm-hmm. It, it it dissolves a whole bunch of resistance. Yeah, I guess it does. If we need to know the how, we're the one making the block. So... In the midst of this conversation, Josie is um, asking a question in the live stream. She says, when manifesting, how do you balance between frequent attention towards imagining scenes and detaching from outcome? That's something I admittedly have trouble with when it comes to LOA. And also, what are your tips on revising for others? Well, I think that I'm the first thing that comes up into my mind is that thinking about the outcome and thinking about the how are two different things. Mm. And sometimes we get them mixed up. You know, it's like a lot of times in, in coaching people, they say they want a certain thing and it's really that they want what they think that thing is going to bring them. Right. And if you can get to that part, so, which is what I think Neville Goddard does in most of his books, right? Like we, We don't, we envision after the fact. So we envision shaking the hand of our new boss and saying, thank you so much for hiring me. I'm excited about this position. We don't envision putting in the application, right? We envision getting the thing, having it done. And so, I mean, to me, that's, that's the trick right there is going for the outcome. And then as far as, you know, attention, um, we're letting go of the how, and that's the part. It, you know, we always hear about don't be attached to a specific outcome. But I think that most of the time it's that we're attached to a specific how, not to a specific, right? I mean, the thing we want is the thing we want. I would say also there are many times where we, we describe it as being attached to a specific outcome, but what we're really attached to is the fear that the outcome won't happen. <laughs> and we end up focusing on it and say, well, I'm focusing on the outcome. <laughs> yeah. Or, or sometimes we'll, we're actually focusing on the lack of it. Yep. Right. Or the other thing is that we have payoffs, you know, like something about our current situation is actually working well for us. Mm. Right. I mean, and so we, we don't, we don't want to change because we don't want to give that part up, even though we're saying we want this other thing. And it's just figuring out how to, how, how to have it both things, how to not have to give up whatever that thing is and also getting the thing that you're wanting. So letting go of how it happens to me is the most powerful part. It's a very powerful part. And it's hard to do. I mean, I'm not going to joke about that. I I have trouble with it too. I, I will I will start immediately thinking about the house. Okay. How am I going to do this? Mm. How is this going to work out? What do I need to do next? 
Mm-hmm. And I think there are things to do for sure. sure. Um, I just had a session with somebody where I talked about that to them that, you know, yes, I do believe, you know, my favorite example is uh, Abraham Hicks saying that if you were focused enough, you probably could go to McDonald's and manifest a five-star meal, but it's a lot easier to just go to a five-star restaurant and order what you want. (laughs) So it's like you both do both things, you know, do your visualization about getting the new job and also send out some resumes, right? There, we live on earth and, you know, we, we take mundane actions to make things happen. All the people that I know that don't want to take any action. No, I just want to, I just want to make a vision board and have it happen. First of all, making a vision board is an action, Hmm. right? But also Oftentimes people don't think think that way about anything else. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> they don't just sit cross-legged on the floor and hope that their kids float home from school instead of going to pick them up in the car line, right? They don't just uh, hope that the groceries appear. They go to the grocery store and they buy what they need. So mm-hmm. I think that mundane action works best when it's coupled with the magical action. They work they they work best together. Which is what Abraham says. Abraham says, don't just do an action. Do it from an inspired place where you're feeling. Yeah. 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 Right? Inspired action. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you feel it and then you do it. It's not you feel it and you don't do it. And it's not you just do it. You feel it and you you do them together. You feel it and you do. Right. But I, I, I've heard people say before, it's like they can't think of anything that feels good to do. So they're just not going to do anything at all. It's like, well, just that that inertia has to be dissolved right that stuckness and that's how we get it to dissolve is we take some action mm-hmm. and then just follow right you, we that's the question we talked about at the beginning of the show it's like what would feel better which is i think the the key to the whole thing ultimately i mean we talked you talked earlier about people who um they they just want it to come they don't want to take any action they 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 want to be able to just attract it and as you were describing that, it occurred to me, well, even that person is already putting up resistance. They're saying, oh, no, no, it can't involve action. It oh, somebody told me on a coaching call. It was the first call. It was like a call to see if they were, you know, if I could help them. And they said, right off the bat, they said, and I know you're going to tell me that I have to take some action and I don't want to. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. <laughs> this will be Let's fun. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But that's that is resistance right there. That is when when you insist, oh no, it must not involve any action. It must just it must just come to me. That's all there is. It can't be anything <laughs> else. You just put up this gigantic barrier. Yeah. You know? Right. It's just like why are we making this so difficult? <laughs> yeah. When when actually, you know, I think that there's this idea that people call paralysis by analysis. Oh God, yes. Oh, you're familiar with that one? Oh, yeah. Hand <laughs> raised. His hand. Um, I'm raising my hand, too, because I have plenty of experience with that. The idea is that we start analyzing and evaluating whether it's the right, I'm making air quotes, whether it's the right action to take. Mm-hmm. Is it really inspired? Am I inspired to do this? Or is it just my mind thinking stuff up? Am I just making things up? Did I imagine that, you know, we go through all of these questions with ourselves, and we start evaluating, well, what if I do that, you know, will this happen or that happen? Or will I look stupid or will I? Oh, my gosh. And the truth is, just take the action, then evaluate the outcome. Then you don't stay in the same place stuck for so long. (laughs) Just right. Just take the action. Um, Most of the actions that we need to take are not you know, life or death kind of choices. They're just, I'm not talking about this, you know, in, in this sense of um, doing something that is actually going to be a life or death kind of choice. Sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and even then it's probably usually a good idea to take action. You probably don't want to sit around saying, well, I think I'm going to manifest a good solution to this. <laughs> true. That's you true. You probably want to take some action pretty quickly, whatever oh, that thing take, is. You know? Just do it. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of things, you know, a lot of things that come up in uh, law of attraction, like thought, right, that mm-hmm. that we really could just bypass and just just do the thing and see what happens. I, I was 
for many years caught in that paralysis analysis thing. Oh, gosh. Just horribly so. And Joel actually helped me get out of it. He, he was kind of indirectly coaching me in terms of we, we were doing shows, you know, but he was kind of like throwing out little hints to me. And it was pretty clear that he was throwing out hints. And I was taking them and saying, okay, <laughs> I'm listening to the hints. And then one day I decided to kind of follow through. I said, okay, I have this idea. I have this inspired thing. I'm going to go do it. My inspired thing was I was doing a weekly podcast and I decided I wanted to do it daily. So I just found a bunch of people to email and you were one of the people I emailed on a Sunday in November. And all of a sudden, three of you got back to me saying, you know what? I've been thinking about doing a podcast and your email followed on the day that I was thinking about. And I'm saying, oh my God. That's right. You know, you know that joke about the guy that's like, um, in, in the, I think he's drowning or something and a boat comes by and he's praying to God right. save me and a boat comes by and he says, no, yes. no, I'm, I'm praying. And then the helicopter comes. Oh, it's okay. God's going to save me. And <laughs> then he dies, he drowns and he goes to heaven. And he says, you know, I really had faith in you. I was praying the whole time and you didn't come save me. And God's like, I sent a boat. I sent a helicopter. Right. Well, you know, so I had been having the desire to do a podcast and all of a sudden there you were in my inbox. We did not know each other nope. and you were inviting me to do a podcast. And, you know, I could have, I could have said, well, no, you know, I'm blah, blah, blah. Right. But I took the action. I said, Oh my gosh, this is what I've been thinking about. This is what I've been wanting to do. And here's the opportunity. So I said, yes, that was the action that I took. So sometimes it's that easy, right? Yeah. It's like you decided to take action and reached out. I had been thinking about it. It was a, it was a synchronicity. And I said, yes, that was pretty simple. And by I, the way, it, like it was kind of a, it was a hair trigger for me because like I said, I had this history of uh, paralysis of analysis or analysis right. by paralysis or whatever the phrase is. And I was kind of teetering on the edge. because I had this idea. It's like, well, maybe I should start figuring out all the different ways that I should plan this out in advance. And then I was thinking about Joel saying, no, 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 just take action right now. And I'm going back. And forth. <laughs> oh, what the heck? It's only an email. Just send an email. And that's literally, I mean, I was right on the edge of saying, no, I'm not going to do it. But I did. Wow. Yeah. I just kind of pushed myself over the edge a little bit. And that's all. I, re I remember one time I was, um, I was working with a women's group and they were putting together this big program that they did every year in the city. And somebody suggested in the meeting, you know, it'd be cool. It'd be cool if we had like, a, if one of the things we did was to get a bunch of writers together and they could like all write an essay on a certain topic and they could read it and, you know, people could come and listen. And uh, I had this, I, I, I had a person in my mind that popped up right away mm. and I was really new to this group. And I thought, oh, you know what? I'm just going to say it. So I said, you know, um, I know somebody and this person is a professional, you know, writes for big publications. And I said, I know somebody and I, I think she's a member of a writer's group with a bunch of writers who have written, you know, novels. And I said, so um, I can ask her. And I was sort of inside, like thinking, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? Like, you know, but I but I went with it. Like you said, I just like didn't. And, you know, I left that meeting and I went over to the grocery store and the grocery store was next to um, a clothing store. I got uh, out of the car and I had this idea. I said, oh, I'm going to go in that clothing store first and get a new pair of jeans. Mm -hmm. And I walked into the clothing store and who was standing there with the very person that I had had in my mind. Oh, my God. And I said, hey, I was just thinking about you. And I asked her about it. She got her writer friends. They put it together. If I'm, if I'm right on my math, I think it's been a thing that's been done in the city every year for the last like 10 years. Wow. Still happening. Wow. So that's inspired action, right? I just, it, it came into my mind and I just said, okay, and went with it. Here's the thing. It was so easy. I didn't have to make the phone call. Nope. <laughs> the next errand I ran, there was the person, right? Yep. Yeah. So sometimes it's so much easier than we think it's going to be like, you know what they say? You'll love this. I have heard someone say that procrastination is ages us faster than smoking, than drinking, 
that it was like this long list of things we consider vices. And they said procrastination ages you faster than any of those things. Well, I think that that paralysis by analysis, it, it's just another. Oh, yeah. It, it's just another procrastination thing. And Absolutely. Sometimes we're just procrastinating because we think we don't want to do the thing, right? But mm. don't you always realize this? I, I do anyway. It's like if I have some chore that I've been putting off, cleaning out a closet or something, right? I, I'll give you an example because it happened a few months ago. In the kitchen, I have two drawers next to each other, and they're full of all the little gadgets, can openers and little, you know, stuff, right, that you use yep. in the kitchen. They were crammed full of all that stuff. And every time I would open the one drawer, measuring spoons and stuff, I would like be sorting through the stuff to find the one thing I needed for like forever. And finally, and I mean, I'm embarrassed to say this, these drawers have been like this for years. And somebody had been talking about decluttering and something. And I opened the drawer and I said, okay, I, because every time I would open the drawer, I would say, I really need to clean this drawer out. I really need to clean this drawer out. Finally, I put a sheet on the kitchen floor and I dumped those two drawers out. Mm. I got rid of all the stuff that was either broken or I'm never going to use it or whatever. I don't need it anymore. I put all the stuff that I hardly ever use, but maybe I use it like the turkey baster, you know, (laughs) in the one drawer. And then the other drawer was practically empty and it has all the stuff I use every day. Uh And I realized that the whole project took me about 15 minutes and I had been procrastinating on it forever. I probably Mm. aged myself like years for those dumb drawers. So there was no analysis going on with that. But the other things like, Oh, I want to write a book, but I blah, blah, blah. And we analyze and analyze and analyze Mm. and procrastinate and procrastinate. If we would just start, if I put as much energy into the book as I put into the analyzing of it, it'd be done done by now, right? It'd be done. And then I could put all that energy into marketing the book or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. So just knowing that procrastinating ages you might be a key for some of us, right? No kidding. Since you're working on getting younger and um, aging backwards. I work on a lot of things and, and I keep trying to take action on every one and we'll get into that in a moment, but I wanted to get to something that Jeffrey asked about because it fit in. He actually asked two different questions here and I want to bring them both in because they fit Jeffrey in. Jeffrey asked great questions. He does. Yeah. Yeah. First uh, question he asked was more of a hypothetical rhetorical type question. Can we envision the details of the story as we feel increasingly better or just different? I'm not sure I understand the question. Can we envision the details of the story? As we feel increasingly better or just different? In other words, do we have to be feeling better or can we just be feeling a little bit different from where we were? Oh, um, I mean, I always want to go for better, right? I do too, yeah. And, you know, the details of your story very well might change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. But remember, if you're talking about Neville's methods two things. It's always going to be something that would naturally occur once you already had what you wanted. So this isn't me envisioning finally writing my book. This is me envisioning my book signing event. Right. Right. And then the other thing is that even though details often are the thing that get us to feel like it's really happening, like I like to bring all of my senses into the details, Mm -hmm. right? If I was imagining a book signing, I would be imagining what the pen felt like in my hand. Mm -hmm. I would be imagining that, um, I don't know, that I could smell a candle burning in the store and that I had a nice tea next to me and I knew what it tasted like and that I could feel myself shaking a hand of the person or writing their name in the book. So bringing senses into it, yes, but... Neville always taught that we should keep that vignette very short yes, and succinct instead of like pages and pages of details. Um, we can get lost in all of that. So I don't know if that really answers the question, but I think well, that I think it, does. it does indirectly want to go towards feeling better. Yeah. Cause, Cause it's so much easier when you're doing it short to 
develop a quick feeling about that. It doesn't take long to develop that feeling. Yeah. But when, you, when you're trying to create this, this masterpiece of detail, you can be creating that masterpiece for quite some time. And then you finally get to see the whole thing overall. And then you finally are feeling it. And like, whoa, you just spent all this time. You could have been feeling it. Yeah, I think the time and energy and focus is better spent with repeating the short, small vignette over and over than it is with spending the same amount of time on a big, big story with lots of details. I think so, too. Now, he also asked another question that comes up a lot, and we haven't addressed it lately on the show, so let's do it now. He says, what if we don't know what our resistance is? Oh, I don't think we have to know what our resistance is. Uh, I, and one of the things that I've, you know, heard people say and uh, and ha- and said myself in conversations with other coaches is there's no need to dig around for to find resistances. Um, so we don't have to know if if you don't have it already, then there's an energy block. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple, but identifying the resistance isn't necessary right now sometimes you'll identify it just in the course of you know of doing the work like suddenly you'll realize oh no that's why you know like i told the story last week or the week before about my son who had applied to so many jobs right right. and they were all meeting him and saying oh you're exactly what we want you know you can expect to hear from us you know in 48 hours and blah 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 and then they weren't getting back to him and talking to him for a few minutes, finding out that football season was coming up and he really wanted to, to be able to watch the games and was thinking that a new work schedule was going to interfere with that. And once he said, oh, oh my gosh, why didn't I think of this? I could just DVR all the games. The phone literally rang in his hand while we were talking, said, oh, look, I'm getting a call. So he did identify the resistance right? I mean, that's part of what a a coach can do for you, but it's really not necessary uh, to identify it as long as you suddenly really are seeing clearly what you do want and feeling what you do want. That sort of dissolves the resistance. It's a great point. And I think it's a point that can be a little bit of a trip me up for some people in that there is a school of thought that says, well, you, you do need to unearth whatever the resistance point is, particularly if it's a deep one, otherwise you won't be able to unearth it. And the way you described it, I thought was really well done because if you keep going after what it is that you're feeling and what it is that uh, you're experiencing, you're, the thing is going to come out. It's going At some point, you're going to get a sense of what the resistance is, but you didn't have to, to identify the resistance point in order to resolve the problem. It's kind of the other way around. You resolve the problem and the resistance point came out. One of the things that will cause uh, the the identification, if you will, of a resistance sometimes is recognizing a pattern. Mm. So if you recognize, like, you know, when I've talked about this before, but at one point in my life, when I was working for other people, I managed uh, a medical office. I managed a bead store where they sold, you know, jewelry components. I, I managed several retail places. And suddenly one day I recognized a pattern. And the pattern was that everybody always loved me and thought I did a, an amazing job and would give me more and more responsibilities to which I would happily say yes to to which they would praise me even more. Oh my gosh, like, what will we do without her? She just holds this place together, but they never compensated me anymore. Mm. So it didn't show. And what happened then? Well, then I felt resentful inside. It's like, oh, I worked so hard for these people. And, you know, they just hired someone else and they're paying them more than me and they haven't given me a raise. And blah, 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 right. Just creating more of that yep. because that's where I was vibrating. And when I recognized oh my gosh, this happens everywhere I go, right? What was I recognizing? That I was the common denominator. Yeah. And when I recognized that, then I thought, well, why is this happening? Well, because I say yes. (laughs) I say, yeah, sure, pile more work on me. I can handle it. I'll do it with a smile because I'm so wonderful and you're going to tell me I'm wonderful after I do that. And so, you know, well, what was was the payoff? Mm -hmm. Well, I was getting appreciated. Yeah. 
So I was getting that, but I wasn't getting compensated and that part caused resentment. Once I realized that it was a pattern, that it happened everywhere I went, because it was me, it never happened again. <laughs> and it's also Abraham, because Abraham tells you, you know, you got to address your own emotional vibration. If you don't, you keep taking yourself with you. You're going to keep experiencing the same thing over and over again. That's right. So it can happen in jobs. It can happen in relationships. It can happen. You know, I've heard people say, oh, I hate this city. I got to get out of here. And they move to another city and they love it there. And it's fantastic for about two months. And then they hate that city too, right? <laughs> Just keeps happening. So whenever you recognize a pattern, um, as soon as you see the pattern, it starts to dissolve. Yes. Right? Pretty it's almost like, yeah. And so at that point, when you see it, usually you can start recognizing what the resistance is. It's yeah. like, oh, what the resistance is, what the payoff is, what the counterintention is, whatever it is that's causing that block. Yep, that's true. Now, Jeffrey also has a couple other questions that he's throwing in here. And uh, I think they're they're almost more like discussion points rather than actual questions that he needs the answers to, but I'll throw them in anyway. He says, uh, first of all, when in doubt, I'm sorry, no. Can we enjoy both the process and the result? Oh, I hope so. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the answer is an obvious yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just thinking, you know, it's like most of us are going to be in the process for a while because um, it's all a process. It is. As soon as you get the result that you're enjoying, you'll be on your way to creating something else because nature expands. It's the nature of nature to expand, right? We always want to keep going. We want to make it bigger. We want to try something new. We want to learn something different. And so to me, it is the process. Um, I saw a wonderful video. It was somebody made one of those videos with sort of like the cartoon sketch going on, but they were, the recording behind it was Alan Watts. And he was talking about that life is not, um, a, that life is not a journey, which we always hear life is a journey. Yeah. And what he was talking about is that journeys have destinations, a place we want to get to. Oh, I see. Right. And that, Life is more like music. Mm. We don't go to a concert just to hear the crescendo at the end, like right. the symbols at the end crashing down and it's done. And we finally got there to the end. No, <laughs> we're enjoying the whole thing, all the notes that are played. And I thought that is really a wonderful analogy. So I, if you're not enjoying the process, and I know life on earth has moments that are not enjoyable, but if you're not enjoying the process, that's something to address. That's something to change. And that's a story and a decision that we make, right? That we're going to enjoy the process. And of course, if we look at uh, Jeffrey's question again, can we enjoy both the process and the result? Yeah. It almost sounds like it's a question that asks for permission. I know that's not what Jeffrey was thinking, but it, it sounds like you're asking permission. Like, can I please enjoy the process as well as the result? Of course you can. Yes, please do. That makes, that's what makes it so sweet. That's what makes yeah, it so I think fun. it's imperative that we're enjoying it, uh, the process and the result. Yeah. And, and it makes life easier. I mean, I've been documenting here on the show quite a bit, the trials and tribulations that I've run into in trying to do these programming projects. But, big, big but, but going on here, every step of the way, I've been looking for ways to feel good about it. You know, not, not feeling good about the, the stuff that I specifically don't like, but the other stuff that are, that's around it. Just yeah, looking for yeah, anything yeah. I can find that feels good. And over time, it has gotten to the point where it feels better and better and better. Now, I'm still not at the point where I just want to program for the rest of my life. That, and I'm not really <laughs> expecting that's going to happen, you know? But what has happened as I found more and more ways to enjoy the process, to enjoy this activity that I'm doing, stuff is solving easier. Yeah. Issues are going away quicker. I'm ending up running into major blocks that all of a sudden get dissolved just because I decided, you know what? I don't know how it's going to happen because I got into that mindset that said, this is easier. I couldn't have come to that decision so yeah. much easier, you know, like, Six months ago, six months ago, the idea of, oh, well, I can just let go of the outcome. That wasn't even in, in, in reach. That was like way out of my, my bounds. But just by working on what ways can I find to enjoy? What ways can I find to feel good? Even if it means just taking breaks every 10 minutes. The more I did of that, the easier it did get to the point where I could say, yes, 
I can let go of the result. I can let go of, I don't know how it's going to be there. It's just going to happen. And I believe it's going to happen. And it does. I, I love that. And I love what you said about changing things up, even if it's just taking a break every 10 minutes, yeah. you know, whatever you have to do, because I'm thinking about, you know, how often about, about the idea of changing the story, like a reframe of something mm-hmm. and how often, if in our life we have a specific task or something that we do all the time and we've told ourselves we don't like it or we hate it, right? We will start repeating that story in our head when we're doing it, almost like a mantra. It's like, oh, I hate this. Oh, I, I hate having to do this. I hate. And oh my goodness, that's so powerful. It's just going to create more and more and more of that. Yeah, you want to know where the blocks come from? It comes from that. That's where the block comes from. <laughs> right. Right. Because yeah. why wouldn't you? Right. Why wouldn't you create a block when you're telling yourself that? So just changing the story, number one, doing something like movement dissolves inertia. So like what you just said, just getting up every 10 minutes, taking a little break, right? Going and getting a glass of water, whatever it is. Um, There's that. And then actively, consciously change the story. So you can change the story from, oh, this is never going to work out to, I don't know how it's going to work out. I just know it is. The energy shift is huge. It is. And the payoff will be huge. Which is cool. That's the fun part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's but we want to enjoy the journey too. So we change the story. We realize that we are powerful creators. We are speaking everything into existence. And that's how you know too. When you have a thought that you're repeating when it starts to come out your mouth, it means it's gaining momentum and power. No kidding. (laughs) Eventually you will say it out loud. So create a good story. (laughs) Also true. Yes. Start in your head before you say it out loud. So you got a good momentum going. (laughs) You know, last week you used a really good term. I think it was last week. It may have been the week before, but I thought it was last week. And I wanted to tie it into what we're talking about here. Now what the context was quite different, but the term you used was radical responsibility. Yes. And what you're really describing here, what we're describing here is a form of radical responsibility. Last week, it was more in the context of, you know, what is it that I'm uh, blocking? What is it that I'm pushing away and so forth? But it also applies to what we're doing and what we're enjoying. It it works for everything. I guess that's my my point is, I mean, it applies throughout our entire experience. That's the thing is that radical responsibility, it, it, you can put it in any context and I can talk about it because it is, it is first and foremost, the number one, it's the foundation of your success as a conscious creator, mm-hmm. because it, it recognizes that it's my responsibility of everything in my experience. That doesn't mean I'm to blame for something that happens to me. It means I'm responsible for my response to the thing. And it's, it is the most important uh, idea we can adopt as conscious creators, because if I'm not responsible for my experience, then someone else is responsible for my experience. And if I'm having a crappy experience, now I'm in the energy of blame because I'm not responsible for all this crap that keeps happening to me or how I'm experiencing it. You're responsible. Someone's responsible. They're the ubiquitous. They right. They're responsible. Um, the government's responsible. My neighbors are responsible, right? It goes on everybody else. And then I have no power exactly. at all. So if I want to have power, I take radical responsibility for how I experience my life. And it's a radical thing to do, but it's a powerful stance to take. And on the flip side of that, we also, if we're, if we're smart, if we're paying attention, we take radical responsibility for what we're doing that's working out right. Because it's so easy to be experiencing, okay, I just made this shift and my shift has produced a good result and there's the good result. So am I celebrating it? Am I accepting the radically accepting the responsibility yeah. for the fact that I made that thing happen? Am I, am I appreciating? Am I really joyously saying, Oh my God, I did it. I finally did it. Or am I just saying, Oh yeah, got it done. Okay. Next. <laughs> right. No, that's a big thing. Like I actually, it's something that I do sometimes with clients is have them stand back, you know, metaphorically and like recognize 
everything that they have accomplished. Because sometimes they are undervaluing all of the things they actually do to the degree that you're right. It's like they just move on to the next things and next, next. I actually had one client that said, well, I was, I was working very closely with her on some big projects. And one day she said, I guess I should get something done. I just feel like I haven't really accomplished anything this week. And I said, are you kidding me? And she said, what? And I just started listing to her all the things that had gotten done that week. And she said, oh my gosh, like, you're right. But she did not see it. And I think it's just that looking forward and thinking, I got to do more. I got to do more. I got to do more. And well, I've also found it's it's very specific for me anyway, maybe not true for everybody, but for me, when I get into the mindset that says I haven't gotten anything done and I did get all this stuff done during the week, the thing that didn't get done was the one top priority thing that I wanted to get done. That one didn't get done, so nothing got done. <laughs> you know, in one of the books that's famous, I can't remember if it's like the Napoleon Hill Think and Grow Rich book or, but it's one of those old, kind of old-timey New Thought books that's a classic. Yep. Um, one, of the, one of the ideas in, one of, in the book is at night to write down, and I don't know why the number was six, but the number was six. To write down the top six things that you want to accomplish the next day in order of priority. Mm. So the first most important, like you just said, you know, that one thing. So one, two, three, all the way down. And then, and then the next day, when you go to do these things, even if you only get that first thing done, that's okay. Mm. You mark it off and you move those other five things to the next day and, you know, and rework your list. And you know, I haven't done it in a long time, but it used to be one of my most um, used tools for oh, really? productivity, and it really worked well. Uh, I might start putting that in my journal again. <laughs> okay. uh, see, yeah, you're with- right. I never thought about that, but that that is exactly it. It's that it's it's sort of like the thing where we talked about procrastination earlier. You know, when you're procrastinating, it doesn't mean you're not doing anything. You might be doing all kinds of busy work and all kinds of other things, just not that one thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, you mentioned a six-item list. For me, I would get items two through six done, but I didn't get one done, so I didn't get anything done. (laughs) Yeah, that's the one thing about the list is you're not supposed to do anything until you get that first prioritized thing done, right? It's like, okay. (laughs) I think I'm going to have to adopt that method for the next few weeks and see how it goes. I will, I'll well, report back. I, I think I would actually challenge him on that one point because if you're constantly working on trying to get that one thing done and you're running into ba- um, barriers over and over again, that's time to take a break. That's time to step back and just possibly, yeah, definitely. Give, and give yourself maybe, a little bit of you know because because that's what I would tend to do. That's how I end up coming at the end of the day saying, "Well, I didn't get anything done because I didn't get the first thing done." And I, I just had this mentality. I have to get the first one done. It's the first thing on the list. It's top priority. Of course, it's got to be the first thing that I get done. If I don't get that done, my day's a failure. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so then you just rework the priority. Or something else that trips people up is that that top thing on the list is a really big thing. And it should actually be broken down into a whole yes. bunch of smaller things. Oh, God, yes. That's huge. If yeah. you try to do it all at once, that just that that just creates massive amounts of resistance. Yeah. Open so it's the way. next step. The yeah. next step is easy. Right. It's actionable, right? And it's obvious. Yes. And if it's not those three things, it's not the next step. So we're not talking five steps ahead, right? It's just the next step. So funnily enough, when you do that, at least for me, when I do that, I can go through a day and I realize I got that next step done. And there's a part of me that says, I don't feel any closer to the end, but I got the next step done. So I guess I have to give myself credit for that. And then the next day I do the same thing. And one more little step was made. And well, I got one more little step done. I don't really feel like I'm any closer to the goal, but I got what there was that push me, pull you feel that went on every single time until finally I got, I don't know, maybe halfway through and I realized, oh my God, I really am making progress here. Yeah. Then you see the progress, which always feels great. Yeah. So but it's important to, to just stick with the process in the early stages when it feels like you're not making any ground because you are. You know you are. You made those little tiny steps. And they don't seem like they're getting you there, but just trust that they are because 
They are. They really are. It's just yeah. your perception that's getting in the way. So, Cindy and Walt's productivity tips. That's right. Yes. <laughs> So anyway, before we go, I want to remind people who are not yet subscribed to become subscribers. Go to LOAToday.net. You'll find instructions on how, to do, on how to do it at the top of the page. Check us out on YouTube. You'll be able to, uh, that's where the live streamers hang out, and uh, you'll be able to see recordings of us and see what we look like as we're doing these shows. But become a subscriber <laughs> so you can get these shows five days a week. Um, and, uh, you know, we started the show today without any kind of topic in mind. We did pretty damn good. Yeah. <laughs> For not having a topic, we did really good. We did, we <laughs> like the ultimate topic of all, and that is how do you work through this kind of stuff? So right. let's go. So thank you very much, Cindy. Appreciate oh, your help. Thank you for having me. Always love to come on the show every week. Thank you, live streamers. Thank you, podcast listeners as well. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.